Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are listening to the Church Planner Podcast, which is being brought to you. We have a sponsor. Ooh. You ready for this? Yeah. Iron on Iron Fitness Club. Whoa. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Nice. You can find out more at irononironfc.com. Now, we lost strategies for men over 40. Pete, would they by any chance be sponsoring us for free? Well, it's not free. Let me tell you that. It costs a lot. Well, hey, oh, man. good to see you, man. So what episode is this? Uh, well, apparently it's 409. 409, like the cleaning formula. <laughs> what I think is so funny is what's the very first thing we do? Well, let's look at the slogan <laughs> for 409. <laughs> That's what we're going to call this episode. Go on, Pete. Bust it out. Oh, well, I liked yours better. Yes, it's going to be messy. Yes, it's going to be clean. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it it said it's going to be messy, but yes, it's going to be worth it. And that's pretty much how this podcast is going to be today. It's going to be messy, but it's going to be worth it. Just stick with us and, uh, you know, 409, your grease away, the grease of church planning. You know, we've got grease busting. We're packing serious grease busting power. They're going to come after me, aren't they? Because I'm looking at their website right now, stealing all of their taglines. So I think they need to be happy that someone's actually talking about them on a social media right? platform. Church Planner Podcast. Find your formula. There we go. How's that? I took I like that off it. there as well. Formula 409. Episode 409. We've given you 409 ways to grease bust your church plant. Hey, so what's uh, what's happened with you over the last week? Anything fun? <coughs> no. <laughs> oh, you got okay. it. I'm like, Smack Talk's all you, man. It's all you. I have been, you know, if I'm not working, I mean, I, I you know, I've had, I've had family time at all. Don't get me wrong, but like, I've had like no fun time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm worn out, man. I am worn out. I've been dealing with heavy emotional things with with friends and colleagues have been um, jumping in to help a little bit with refuge long beaches merger. And of course being refuge long beach, you know, part, part of the crew is like, Hey, we're totally going to stay where we're at and keep on mission. Other people were going, Hey, this is a church planning hub, this merger. And uh, for those of you who don't know, um, DA Horton planted a church in uh, it's pretty much like a core team. He planted it in long beach. And uh, then there was a guy named Terrence Brooks that we wanted to bring on our team in Long Beach for ages. 
and all these things can, then this church said, Hey, you know, they, they merged with Terrence are doing it now, same time as us. And, uh, all this came about, like we were having these conversations with Terrence and then reach fellowship comes in this other church gives a building to them. And we're like, okay, this is just God kind of converging everything. So I'm worn out, brother. I've been, I've been jumping in and getting involved and I'm tired, man. I'm tired. So I, I told you, I'm like, oh, we could talk about TV shows. That's, that's about all I've had is an hour of TV and I fall asleep every night. So I always have to go back the next night and watch whatever it was I fell asleep during and then catch up. And then I fall asleep in the, uh, in the next hour. Guess who's got the COVID? Who got the COVID? I don't know. I just, it was, oh. it was a guessing game. Is that, is that a new part of the show? A new feature? Uh, this week COVID. we'd like get, it's time for who's got the COVID, and uh, this week it appears that you know each Have week you we'll seen just the, do... uh, the guidelines that Newsom put out for family gatherings. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> I went to a restaurant the other night. If you guys do not live in the insanity called California, I went to a restaurant and they go inside or outside, and I said, "Oh, you know, um, inside's fine." They said, "Well, you do know, right, that you have to sign a waiver first. You had to fill out for tracking. Oh, nope. For uh-uh. tracking. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. I would no not fill tracking, that out. Pete. Not signing a health waiver for tracking. Yeah. Nope. Not going to happen. Then, then I'm not making this up. This is Newsom's new uh, uh, resolution. These are his new requirements. You have to wear the mask at the table with your own family now. Taking the mask down only for bites. And then putting it back on. Um, mm, um, mm, done. And then we just looked at her and we look around and nobody's sitting inside. Like Californians are like, blow that, man. So we sat outside. Have you seen the guy who uh, made a mask? He's got two paper masks. And when he's got his mouth closed, yes. it looks like it's a mask. And then he <laughs> opens it. Opens his that mouth obviously like was invented in California in response to these ridiculous. Oh man, I tell you, I, I just keep looking at Jamie and I go, we have to leave the state. Like, I, I just feel that if I keep saying that to her, she'll finally come around and let us leave. Cause I can't stand it here. It's just, yeah. Let me tell you, uh, Dan Sams and I, uh, for those of you who, who, uh, listen to the from concealment podcast, Dan Sams is a church planner in Ohio and we do a gun podcast cause we're both gun enthusiasts, as we like to say. And uh, I think we're trying to record one either today or tomorrow. And we have got so much to go off on because California is trying to impose its values on the rest of the states by suing the ATF. And like California's laws are unconstitutional. And now they're going to try and take it nationwide. I mean, they're, they're not even using the judicial process anymore the way that it's supposed to be. Yeah. No, it, it, it's crazy, man. We live in a time where all the rules have just gone out the window. I mean, it's weird, but you know, I think it comes back to the narcissism of society that we've bred in America. We've bred a narcissistic society. So the rules don't apply to me. They don't apply to you. You do what you want. And so with that, when that hits a corporate level, I'll, I'll never forget Martin Lloyd-Jones. He, um, he was preaching during World War II. Ah, Lloyd-Jones, those are good days when I used to sit in Westminster Chapel and listen to him preach. And I'm teasing. I said that like as if I were there. But I, you know, at one time I could say have read everything that's been published by Lloyd-Jones. I would just suck it up a straw. And there was one time he was talking, he was preaching about um, sin. And it was during World War II. And he made the point, you know, that, that corporately and privately sin looks the same. He said, you know, we went to war with Hitler because he saw a country and said, I want that country. It's mine. And he gave in to um, the lust. And he goes, but how is that any different? That's what's in the human heart. He says, what causes fights and wars among you? And James, is it not your evil desires? He goes on a, on a personal level. It's the same as on a corporate level. And so when sin hits a corporate, that's where war comes from. 
right? You want what someone else has, yada, yada. But he said, isn't that the case? You know, what Hitler's done with Poland and other countries is no different than what a man does who's married, who looks at someone else and says, I will have that woman too. Mm. Um, he says it, it, it's, it's sin in the heart. It's lust. It's, you're not content with what you don't, what you, what you already own. And, um, and that's what's the deal with, um, I think, what we're seeing is the outworking of society, of narcissism. You know, um, that the reason why everybody is lying and stealing and cheating, the amount of cheating and dishonesty, now that everybody has cameras everywhere to catch everything, it's just stuff that's been going on. But I, I do think there's a narcissism in modern life that was not there. Um, that's fueled by TV and TV shows that um, Andrew and I will sometimes watch things and turn over and go, they're actually like, I was waiting for the punchline. Like I was waiting to show that that was morally bankrupt and that that's a character flaw, but they're actually saying, no, this is cool. Check out this person is this bad to the bone that they act like this. And it's not seen as a character flaw. And as soon as you have that, you know, look out, man. So what you're saying there is same thing. Um, yeah, your freedoms, your opinions, your views don't matter. We're going to run roughshod over all that. That's what sin does. Yeah. Yep. Fun times ahead. I worry for my kids, man. I really worry for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of this stuff is coming to a head and, and uh, this election is going to be crazy. I think November is going to be just an insane month. The worst thought for a parent, I think, when you're worrying about your kids in the future is that they're part of the problem and not the solution. That's what I worry about. I worry that I worry that my kids will be so influenced by that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That they're like, oh no, that they just get caught up and they begin to think that way as well. Because right. you know, I'll, I'll listen, like I very carefully watch um and monitor what's playing in my home. Like I'm very careful about this stuff coming through on the TV um, because there is very much an agenda um, to portray every adult as a moron and, you know, as an idiot and kids as these kind of cynical, snide know-it-alls who are wiser than any adult around them. And again, that, that goes back to that whole agenda well that really started with dawson's creek so let's just <laughs> let's just throw let's just throw you know blame where it deserves uh, Pete, to go look you're out on a limb here pal it's 90210 um if you really need to go back uh okay. before dot no i'm just teasing i i've never i i'm proud to say i've never actually seen an episode i think we own them actually i think they're in the other room i've Have never you seen watched them. them no yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I, I don't normally say this, but it's come out on the podcast before, uh, Gilmore girls. I have watched the Gilmore girls. I've watched. Little I would House never of- watch that. I would. Ne- oh my gosh. But I just want to know, did Luke end up with the girl or not? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they stop Lorelai from doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie used to make fun of me because every time she'd watch that, I'd just come in and sit down, you know, and and then I started like coming in. I'm like, why did you start this without me? <laughs> so no kidding, no kidding. This is funny because I really want to live in Stars Hollow. I can tell you that right oh, now. That's oh, the place heck, I want to yes. live. So it's so funny because I took Andrea to Warner Brothers and it was like all of her favorite shows. I took her to the studios. Have you done that tour? Not in, I mean no. Oh, dude, it was rad. No, so not like, Warner Brothers. No, just Universal. I've only so you Universal. can go to Warner Brothers and you can like tour their you, studio. You mean pre-COVID. Well, true. But, it, dude, it's rad. They have all the Batmobiles. Like, nobody knows about this. And I, I Googled it like, is this really a thing? So you go there, you see some of the animation studios, like from, you know, back in the day, Animaniacs, Batman. But they had all this cool DC stuff. But you get to go to like a replica. Oh, you got to back then. Um, what's the one with all the nerd kids on it? Um, it's kind of like Friends, but it's all the nerds. Uh, theory, 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 Big Bang Theory. 
yeah, yeah. I never watched. So that. I got to, you know, that was being filmed. So we got to go in that studio because they weren't filming at, at on those days. They filmed on certain days, and they're like, "Yeah, it's run, longest running uh, sitcom in history." Yada yada. So we we went in there, and it was their final season. So that was kind of cool. I got to see that live, but I've only seen a few episodes of that show. And then, um, yeah, you get to go to Stars Hollow, and you you're in Stars Hollow, going, hold on. This is where everything was filmed. Wait, Stars like, Hollow it's is not everywhere. Real? It's not real. Dude, <laughs> you're literally like in all these homes and they're like, yeah, this house is in this gazebo. And you're like, dude, this is, this is everywhere America. And most of the things that they film are around the lot, like park benches, bus stops. It's all on their property in movies and TV shows. Dude, it's insane. They're like, oh yeah, this uh, this little strip of grass right here, we're able to make this look like uh, a big carnival. And you're like, no way, dude. And like, mm-hmm. then they tell you what it's from. They show you pictures, and you're like, dude, that's insane. They're they're like wizards over there. But um, but it's cool, man. It was a cool little uh, thing. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, it, it. It was a cool tour. But all of our yeah. favorite shows, friends, you get to sit on the sofa, get to pose for a picture. I was talking with my buddy today about you. My buddy uh, was coming over. Well, he was coming over to uh, to work out this morning, and um, and I go, "Oh man, you should have you should have come to my church in Long Beach. I go, you would have loved it." And so he's like, "Why?" And I go, and I started telling him the stories. I'm like, "We had a transsexual prostitute get into a knife fight in the middle of service with her John. We had a belligerent drunk guy two feet away from the pastor, just like in his face while he was trying to preach. Like we had a pit bull by the Sunday school teacher. I'm like, it was lit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy days, man. Oh, it was it was insane. And then Those- and then I told him the structure of it. I go. um, I go, you know, each table, uh, there would be a discussion time. So, you know, there'd be a little bit of talking and then it's like, okay, here's the question. Now discuss this at the table. And he goes, I would love church like that. Yeah. He goes, I would get way more out of that than just sitting there and listen to a guy. He goes, honestly, I don't need to hear any preaching. I don't mean to sound I'm all arrogant, but I've heard it all before. And I'm like, cause that's a typical person who's yeah. grown up in the church, what they would right. think. So that's good, man. You know, and that, I don't know if you saw, um, I posted, uh, it was a bit of a book ad, I guess. In fact, one of the guys in this Facebook group, Southern Baptist, um, there's tons of trolls in there. Um, one guy, he's like, he goes, uh, oh, this sounds more like a, a book ad than concern for the for future, concern for the future of the church. And I'm thinking, well, I wrote the book out of concern. I, I'm not going to answer like, you don't, don't feed the trolls. Right. But, um, but, I, you know, uh, the whole thing is I wrote this uh, article about it. And I said, the reason why when we shifted from analog service to digital service and then from digital to outdoor now, the reason that we haven't seen the numbers come back is when we shifted to digital, I warned, you can go back. I said, this changes everything because as soon as people figure out that all they were doing was watching a show, they'll realize they don't have to come. And once they realize that, they're not going to. Right. I mean, why would they? Why spend the gas money? Why? It, the, the penny dropped for society that this is like watching TV um, because I stream everything now. It's like right. watching YouTube. I, don't, I can do this whenever I want. And I don't have to take up my Sunday morning now doing it. And um, so as soon as that happened, what I, what I said is we're not providing something of value. And the only thing of value, Pete, that the church can offer is interaction. Right, community. So until that's there, we're not going to um, we're not going to see a return. And so I've got a mini course that's going to drop in um, uh, as the book comes out. It'll help, hopefully, you know, get <laughs> draw people into wanting to buy the textbook because it was actually a whole chapter that didn't make it in that I, that I actually, I was really torn. Like this chapter should really, this is a, this is kind of a key, but I replaced it instead with two chapters on how to do interactive church, but they're on the cogs, which were the things that we did in the midweek, which were missional. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I have two whole chapters and a 20 book textbook all about how to interact in church. 
Um, actually, in church and out of church, I actually talk about how to do it in public space, like open mic nights in a coffee house or, you know, open forums or, you know, um, in the open air or whatever. I talk all about how you would do that or on a university campus, all things which I've done. And then, then I have one that's like, okay, what does church look like when you do this? And um, it's that important to me to spend one-tenth of my book dedicating it to interaction. And then to have another whole chapter that was huge. It was actually two more chapters on what I would call COGS, which are communities of grace, micro churches. We we're doing that before it was cool. Um, but, you know, doing, doing missional, missional COGS. Hey, uh, did you see that text that I sent you, the uh, snapshot from Brandon Brooks? No. I, I texted it to you. Oh, let me look. I texted it to you a while ago. Oh, did you? So he said, you know, happy belated for my birthday. And it's a picture of a guy getting a tattoo. <laughs> and it says islands, like he's getting the islands logo tattooed. <laughs> and then right underneath that NRA. <laughs> I did not get this. I was like, where is this? Oh, I dude, have I, not seen this. I had to have sent it to you. I you like to took a snapshot it to of it. Oh my gosh. That's funny. It was the last thing I sent to you. No, I've not seen that. I put true fan of the podcast. Oh man, I I haven't seen it. I don't even know. I might have already deleted the the snap. So I was I was uh, I'll get a, I'll give a shout out to Michael Kell who uh, you know uh, works for Nam. He was um, he he was saying, "Hey, does anyone know a hypoallergenic dog that you know?" And I just threw out Doberman, and he threw me back some lines from the podcast, and I was like, "You care." you listen to our show dude we have to get a dog so bad like doberman i'm telling you well the problem is i don't want to spend doberman money yeah i guess i mean i'm more of a mutt from the rescue shelter you know slip us a a a 40 pound bag of dog food and we'll let you take a dog (laughs) that's all i'm saying is my price range with my dog i am i and you know you know i'm a bit tight but I am gratefully I have spent every penny on that dog. <laughs> you really have. <laughs> like, I am telling you, I love she is amazing to look at. Like we'll be walking and I'll just be like the symmetry on the way this animal is built. It's I mean, they're like little works of art. They're just pure power. Like I'm in love. It's like you with the charger. It's me with this dog. I just can't believe I'm I'm wrecked for life, dude. I will always want. They're smart. This dog, I could swear it understands human language, which is what they were bred for, was their brains and power all in right. one. Dobermans, I am just telling you, I am a fan. And just I, their paws are like secondary weapons or like little ninja claws. I'm telling you, these things... They're just amazing. They're majestic. That's the word that I use for a Doberman. And she is already dwarfing. She's not even, she's four and a half months old and she's already bigger than my, my other dog. And what does your other dog think? Is your other dog cool with the Does Doberman? not know because the Doberman is like the great white shark of dogs. It wants to eat and dominate everything. So it, it was trying to show its dominance when it was like a quarter of her size and it, it's just in its nature. I know I'm selling you this dog right now. That's what's happening. But, um, but no, my other dog, like we can't keep our collars on the other dog, like either chews them off or pulls them off. Um, you'll hear him going around where my dog literally, sometimes the Doberman will go under the other dog's belly and lift her up and walk around with her, like with her <laughs> draped over her back. It, it doesn't matter how she dominates. It's like she's always pinning her. She, so the other dog will try to hide from her. We'll go somewhere in the garden Aww. and try to hide. We're yeah, dead. I know. We've got to keep them separate a lot because the other dog's 13. Yeah. And we're just like, that's just no way to spend the rest of her life is just on the run from this other dog that won't stop biting her in play. But, you know, the age difference is, you know, it's it's it's, it's like. You know, Jeffrey Epstein, he, he, he just got to keep them separated, you know? I didn't follow that one, but okay. 
the age difference is like Jeffrey. Oh, the age it was a bad joke, Jeez, but you know, <laughs> you got to keep them separated. You know, Did you see DJ he like posted um, on the tattoo thread that I had. He was like, oh, "I thought you're going to get a tattoo that said taxation is theft and uh, Epstein <laughs> never saw it, <laughs> saw it coming or something like that." <laughs> I was like, oh, that's someone who listens to the podcast. Man, didn't all that get muted, huh? Oh, big time, right? I am telling you, there is, you know, I'm not, I I don't even, I've heard people talk about this. uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. The conspiracy stuff theory with, with, listen, there's enough going on. I don't know the conspiracy theories. I'm not a part of that, but I, I work with people that, are involved quite involved in in sex trafficking like anti-sex trafficking yeah let, let's clarify now. there yeah anti. yeah let's let's uh let's the fbi uh knocks on my door no people that minister in those worlds and are a part of the solution and you don't need any conspiracy theory the fact that that is being thrown out i don't know there probably are weirdos making stuff up out there i don't know but the fact that that's never talked about to me shows oh there is there is a bit of protection going on over that. Well, um, what I do find incredibly disturbing is when the media uses the term uh, "underage woman." You know, he had sex with an underage woman. No, it's called a child, and it's called rape. Really? Like, they say that, do they? Yeah, it's like they're trying to like either. Well, I don't know the whole conspiracy theories, you know, that are like, oh, no, they're trying no. to justify it. It's, I'm like, it's probably best we don't know, but but there is there and there has been a veneer of protection for this. Maybe there has, society. maybe there hasn't. I just I don't like it. Like I don't know. I they could just be like, hey, you know, we're the media, we gotta come up with newfangled ways to say things. I mean, that could be what they're thinking, you know. We just yeah. we need to sound cool. But it's like, no, it's called rape when it's with a child. Yes. And it's called a child when they're under the age of 18. If so you guys get a chance, the term. if you guys get a chance, listen to the interview I did on exponential. I do a show. Uh, it comes out on, <laughs> comes out on Mondays. It's a Monday live webinar um, at 11 a.m. Pacific. If you go to multiplication.org and check it out, look, we, <laughs> I'm not saying it cause we need numbers over there. I'm just saying, I interviewed the guy co-founded the network. I Can you plug network. our show like the way you're plugging I theirs should. right now? I think I will actually. That, that would be really helpful for us. I think I will. But um, the guy I, I planted or, or started the New Breed Network with, um, with the network right. I run, was a guy named Di Hanke. I mean, it's, it's like if you've ever seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch, that he's one of those dudes. He's straight out of there. Right. Um, rough urban inner city guy, rapper, MC DJ, church planner extraordinaire, um, just an amazing dude. But he started up a, um, a coffee company called Manumet. When Okay, so get this. Remember when we did Jump School, those films? Yep. I knew you when I was making, I was flying over there, making the films, coming back. And when we made those, the guy who was one of our church planners in our network, he actually went from making safety videos to make, that was his first foray into, Hey, I could do something a little more elaborate. So we made those anyways, he submitted that in his portfolio, won the Pinewood pitch competition, got a contract out of that Pinewood studios, by the way, everyone, star Wars is filmed there. They do an annual come anyways, dude won it. Um, really good work he's done. But anyways, he got a contract to work for the Welsh police, like for the whole country. They did this national campaign against sex trafficking because they raided, um, they busted this ring and just seized tons Mm. of money, like millions and millions, took the money, poured it back into making these films. Die Hanky, obviously, you know, and this guy's planting while all this is going on, but die Hanky, I mean, a dude's a man of prayer. He's, you have to be a figure adventure into this world, but, but die always been a guy where he goes where the need is, right? That was one of our taglines. We go where the need is not where the money is. And die moved. He, he planted a church in a rough Valley town 
those are like the inner cities there. Then he went to the, the capital. He's in a rough neighborhood there. And um, he planted another church named Redeemer. But anyways, with all this sex trafficking um, contacts, he went to, um, he, he asked how he could get involved. And they said, you can't do anything on the front lines to help church planning. I mean, uh, help sex traffic, like get people. But afterwards, the vo- same vulnerability they had that led them into it still exists when they get out of it. Mm. And so he said, so you need to help. We, we encountered this in Refugee Long Beach. We had to help people get jobs pretty yep. quick. Yep. And, and so what happened was um, he started a roasting company called Manumet. And they have like a little industrial space. It's not a coffee shop because they couldn't man that, but they could man a place where people could come. It's mail order. You can offer, you know, you can, you can, people give to it, people buy from it. And it helps provide a living for these girls that have been um, out of sex trafficking. And it's, you know, he's a dude, so it's, you know, primarily run by women, but he, um, you know, he's planting this church and uh, all that to say, if you want to go check that out, you can go to multiplication.org, um, go to the hub and you can uh, check that out and listen to that. It's pretty cool. So, um, but all that to say, um, I don't know why we went there, but, um, but yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Cause I made a bad joke, but Hey, God probably Use my crappy sense of humor to, uh, not that I think that's funny at all. Don't get me wrong, but the age difference comment stuff just comes out of my mouth sometimes. I, I can't help it. Well, we should actually jump into today's topic because I'm very curious about today's topic. Well, this is part two from last Great week. Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm debating how much to go into, right? Well, um, first of all, let me start it by saying, I got a a text message or a Vox rather from uh, Travis Sinks, who uh, was my assistant for a long time. Best guy I've ever hired uh, by far. And he's uh, now a youth pastor up in Washington state. And he said, we should have named it because I can't remember exactly what I named it, but I put in parentheses, not for kids. Yeah. And he goes, you should have said not for kids. Or Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, hilarious. in defense of the Baptists, um, I'll tell you, there, there are people I worked with in the uh, Kirk Overstreet being the one where he was like, dude, you got to talk about this stuff in your textbook. And I, I, I did a little, but I didn't really talk about um, possession. What is that? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> What is up? That is the weirdest background ever. It's from Disneyland. That's all I know. It's probably like it? one of the rides. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Hey, they're making a Star Wars hotel. Am I the last person to figure this out? Well, it doesn't really matter because you can't really go to hotels. So who cares? Well, I just I just found out yesterday. They're like at D23. I'm like, that was months ago. How have I not heard about this? I thought me and Pete were friends. So, uh, okay, so. Uh, last week, gosh. Um, so you could you could feel leading up to last week a spiritual battle. Give everyone the backdrop who didn't listen to last week's episode. If you didn't listen to last week, you need to go and listen to last week. Um, okay, last but now week, give them a give them a. I summary. will. I will. You need to hear last week. So last week was uh, on the on the day that we were recording, which was a Thursday. I was going over to a house where Pete and I were doing a, um, a, uh, Pete and I, no, not Pete and I, I mean, not Pete and I, sorry. Uh, we were doing a, uh, Andrew and I were going to go over, it's my wife. Um, we were going to go and do a, a house cleansing for lack of a better term. Uh, we were called in by some friends of ours, uh, who don't go to church, um, you know, aren't walking with God, but, um, but are definitely on the fringe of that. And through our friendship and, and chatting with them and sharing with them, we've gotten closer and closer to the family and their extended family. And, um, and they're like, hey, you know, stuff's popping off in our house. We're seeing things. We're hearing things. And uh, if, if you're a cessationist, you, you could try going and saying, no, you didn't say anything. You didn't hear anything. Don't worry. We, we don't believe in that. That's not in the Bible. Um, you could do that. But I always remind people that um, the disciples believed in ghosts. Uh, they, they did, 
um, they, they kept thinking Jesus was a ghost, like when he walked on water and when he raised from the dead. Um, but here's the thing. Um, when you get called into an unbeliever's house to do something like this, it's a little hair raising, you know, you, so last week's episode was how to do one. And, you know, even afterwards, like on the night of, I realized there was a lot of stuff I didn't say that I actually do. So as I, as I, cause I haven't done one in years. So, um, but, but what this episode is about is what came afterwards. It's not so much about the night as much as, um, for me, I've been praying about what's next in my life and what I'll be doing. <laughs> no, I'm not starting Ghostbusters, um, but but I've been praying about, you know, church planning. What am I going to be doing? So, um, Andrea, my wife, is the hardcore missionary in the bunch, believe it or not. And she she was like, she kept saying, you know, because all my church planning ventures went on hold when I, you know, I wrote the textbook. And she kept saying, whatever we do, it's got to be born out of mission. Like that just has to be what we do. We can't just church plant by default, gather a bunch of Christians. I mean, 408 other episodes, you guys know I'm not all about that. I don't care about starting churches. As ironic as that sounds on a church planting uh, podcast, um, that's never been my thing. My thing has always been to lift up the name and fame of Christ and Jesus and have people come to know him and mobilize people in their gifts. That's all I care about. In fact, when you get my textbook, you'll see that each one of the APEST leaders has a different drive. And for an apostolic uh, leader, your drive is the kingdom of God spreading. You don't care about institutions. You don't care about starting ministries. You care about the kingdom. And the kingdom is clearly in advance of the church. It is always working outside the church on the borders and the fringes. And you find apostolic leaders occupying that space. That's where we thrive. So the the call the other night was very much in line with who I am, what I'm called to. Interrupt at any time, Pete, because you know I'm I'm winding up here. I'm I'm just listening. What's in the box? So let me let What's me unpack. <laughs> so let me unpack what happened. So we get there and, you know, obviously when you go into these, you're nervous because you don't know what's going to happen. But my personality is I joke about everything. So I get there and I'm, I'm you know, I'm giving them hugs and, hey, what's up? And you, know, you we bring just kinda... the floating dolphin? That's the real question. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, do not let this distract you. Uh, this will be flying around while we do this. <laughs> Pete and I had a flying dolphin for uh, Church Planner Magazine. We used to flow, float it um, Exponential. exponential. I don't think I told Todd about that. Now that now that I work for Exponential, I need to actually tell them about that. That would That's be funny. funny. Yeah. I should tell them that I, that I floated that. And then I should apologize. Because I tell you what, now that I work with Exponential, he would think it was hilarious that we did that. Right. He would find that funny. So anyways, um, so I get in there and the first thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, because I, I know for a fact, they're nervous. If I am nervous, they're nervous. So when I get there, picture picture yourself. You don't go to church, and the preacher man's coming over, and and he, there's going to be a throwdown, right? With whatever's appearing in your house, talking to you. There's going to be a throwdown. So they've seen TV. You know what they're thinking, right? I know what they're thinking. They're thinking I'm going to be in there shouting and screaming and throwing things. And, you know, and so the first thing I tell them is, hey. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. (laughs) Yeah, they think I'm going to be throwing things all over their walls. And, you know, and so I tell them, I say, hey. You should come over with a lamb sometime, just a live lamb on a (laughs) leash. and be like, we're going to need this for later. I need to come with like a suitcase, you know, like, like on Ghostbusters, one of these <laughs> two shows, suitcases, <laughs> two suitcases, one in each hand, like big old behemoths. Start pulling out like these giant crucifixes and like incense sensors, you know, Dude, you should, you should buy some, uh, recl- uh replica of the Ghostbuster equipment <laughs> and like pull those out <laughs> of the 
suitcases. They have that little thing where you trap all the little ghosts, throw yes. that down. The little, remember the thing that Egon has when he's holding it? It's got the lights go. Dee, dee. Oh, that'd be so great. That would lighten the mood. <laughs> but you watch these shows, right? Like the, the ghost hunter shows. And they do. They bring all these big, like, pelican cases in with, like, all this crap. And, like, I just show up with a Bible. You know, I'm like, hey, guys, look. And, and I tell him, I said, look, first thing I want you to do is relax a little bit. I said, you know, <clears throat> whenever you do a house cleansing, I said, things can happen. I said, generally, these are fairly tame. But you may, I don't want to tell them you may get attacked and something happened. Uh, I'll just say that right now at the outset, something did happen. Um, to, there were two attacks during it. But I'm trying to relax them. I don't want them going into it freaked out. But I'm 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 trying to mitigate. There's no train. Anyway. That's just a ghost train. <laughs> so anyway, so what what happened was I start off and I say, hey, look, I want you. And what I say is, look, I'm not going to be yelling. There's not going to be flex of spit flying out of my mouth. Your neighbors aren't going to hear us and call the police. I said, look, this is going to be pretty tame. Because there's not going to be a bunch of theatrics. It's not going to be a high amount of drama. But I said, but I do need to prepare you that although generally these things are tame, you will feel things, you will experience things, and you may actually hear voices while we're doing it. And they, they kind of, uh, you know, I could see their eyes get big, you know, but they're already hearing voices and seeing right. things. So, uh, or I wouldn't be there. Right. So I said, but, you know, there will be a battle going on, but I want to tell you at the outset tonight that the one who always wins this battle is with us. Right. Not with not with the other side. We will win this battle tonight. He will win this battle. And I said, so before we start, what I want you all to do. And I just gave him almost like a mini gospel. And I said, I just want you all to surrender yourselves to God right now. And I'm going to take a few minutes. We're just going to be quiet. I want you to talk to him. And I want you to tell him that you're going to surrender to him. Because I said, what will happen tonight is when I'm gone, it's like bringing in a bodyguard, right? Um, when the bodyguard's around, you don't mess with people. But when the bodyguard leaves, I go, this is not my house. This is your house. And because of that, there's going to be times that I'm going to ask you to say things. I'm going to ask you to declare things. I'm going to ask you to read things. And I'm going to ask you to tell things to leave. It's your house, but you need to be submitted to God. So I gave him those few minutes. Um, and then we began. And I, there were two hot spots where the voices are heard. Which, by the way, how, how like, does someone in that situation, do they genuinely surrender to God? Or is it like, okay, well, Pastor Boy's telling me to say some, you know, words to God. I should do that. I mean, what goes on in someone's head? I have no idea. You know, there's been an internal dialogue with this family for quite a while. And you got to remember, they asked me, and they've been talking to me about, hey, what's baptism mean? And, you know, so, so there's already, I mean, they go to the Christian school that my daughter goes to, right? These okay. are these are parents that wanted their kid to have a better shot or a better chance or protect her in some way. They've they've got a, a Catholic background, but they, they're non. I mean, they don't go. And um, you know the uh, so so there's there's a foundation, there's roots there. Like most people, I mean, most people. <clears throat> excuse me. Most people in America have a background. Oh, by the way, first thing that happened that night um, is my chest started to tighten and I started being unable to speak. So first thing I'm going to tell you, mm. second, I started talking and giving this talk, I asked him, hey, can I have a glass of water? And I remember last time we were talking, I think I started praying because my throat started getting attacked. <clears throat> so, like I said to you, it's been a rough week this week. Um, there's been a lot of attack, but this is no joke. Like this stuff is no joke. Um, even though we joke around a lot, you know, you, you got to know about me. I was a firefighter. I was an RN. I've, I've seen people die. 
Um, I've done a lot of hardcore front end things with death. You develop a very um, dark sense of humor as a result of that. And in ministry, it's the same. So as Pete and I are joking around and goofing off, some of that's coping mechanism. So the first thing I asked for some water and I told him straight up, Hey, <clears throat> and I think some of this is right now, but I said, Hey, the first thing I need to let you know is as my, as my throat is closing up right now, my airways closing up, this is part of it. This is part of the attack that's happening. Cause I started wheezing like I am right now. So <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're, you're watching some of it happening right now because Satan does not want, it's called the occult for a reason. He wants this hidden in darkness. But, um, so that was the first thing I forgot all about that. So, <laughs> you know, I'm getting water in my, and then we pray and it goes <clears> away. Okay. So first thing is we pray and I pray, and then we go back to the hot spot where the apparition appears. And, um, as we go back to that spot, um, I can feel it. I can feel it in the room and I go straight to a passage and you, you have to be careful about how you pick your passages. Your passages need to be, um, they need to be passages. Like I went to revelation 12 where it talks about Christ defeating Satan and defeating the serpent. Satan attempts to go before God and he's cast out of heaven and he comes down and woe to you inhabitants of the earth or that great serpent who accuses God before the brethren day and night has been cast down and he's all in a rage for his time is short. And so I, I, I read that out and you can feel like a sense of victory in the room, but you can also feel like this pushback, this anger, and it wasn't gone. Like I could feel that. And, you know, I'm putting oil over every doorway in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I pray. I read that scripture. Um, when I pray um, against these things, uh, I get a prophetic, like, I don't know how to describe it, but there's like, you know, like there's a fight or flight in the natural. Sure. There's something like that in the spiritual realm that when you're actually doing that kind of praying, it's like an intercessory spiritual warfare kind of prayer. It, there's a, there's a fight, um, fight or flight, but it's like a fight. Um, I don't know how to put it. It's like watching a Rocky film, something happens and it's spiritual. It's like when the Bible says praying in the spirit, you're praying in the spirit and you are, you're not necessarily, um, you're being helped. That's what I'm trying to say. You're being helped as you pray. And you can feel that in the spirit. So we leave that room. We go to the little girl's room. And um, and and <laughs> I, there, was, there was some stuff in there that I was like, oh, okay. But I feel the peace of God in that room. And in fact, at the end of the night, she asks me, she's 11, did you feel anything in my room? And I said, I felt peace in your room. I felt God in your room, which was absolutely, we walked into that room and I could feel God there. Um, she's one of the reasons I think God is in that room and in that house and has brought us in. Like, I, I just felt this sense of she was precious to him, that, that he loved her. So I read Psalm 23, which I've never done in a, in a, in a, in a house cleansing or exorcism. But prophetically, I felt that was a scripture need to be read. But I didn't share at that time. I felt peace. I didn't. But I prayed into that. And then um, <laughs> we go into the next room, which is like a workout room. And my wife is, is somewhat prophetic. So I have her pray into that. And she prays into that. And she gets a word while she's in there. And she, she shares that word. Then, um, and about the importance of that room. <clears throat> and then we go into the center of the house. As we get into the center of the house, I go straight to Matthew 27, Jesus on the cross. And I got to tell you something. I share the gospel. I mean, it's on. I am sharing the gospel. I am boom. I am calling for them to repent and to, to fully submit to Christ. And, um, and then I talk about the victory of Christ on the cross over, over the forces of darkness and what that meant and crushing the serpent's head way back in the ground. I mean, it was a thing of beauty and it was just pouring out of me. And as we prayed, 
And I didn't know this until the end of the night, but the lady started getting chest pains right then in the room. We start praying and you can feel something in the atmosphere literally shifting. And that was the point in that room at that moment, something shifted. I don't know what happened, but it was like, it was like God came into that house in a big way and whatever was evil left. I didn't say anything about it till the end of the, cause we debriefed at the end of the night. The rad thing is, was when I explained that that was the point at which I shifted, they all felt it. What was weird is we went into the next room, which is um, where the whispers were, were coming from. <clears throat> and I didn't know this at the time. Andrea could feel it. She knew this is the core of where things are happening. This really? was the second hotspot. She could feel it. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know as I walk in. But I remember getting in there and being like, huh, okay, I'm a little, I'm a little turned around in here. I don't, I don't know what's happening in here. But I pray, and as I pray, I pray something prophetic for the dad. As we leave, we go into the next room where the, the couple stays. They point back to that other room. Now, by this time, the house has been cleansed, but Andrea knew that was a hot spot. And they say, um, this is not the room it happens in. It happens in the other room, and we hear it in this room. So they hear the whispers in the next room over. Does that make sense? Coming yeah. from the room we just left. Um, now, this room happens to be right on the border of where the the lady that's into witchcraft, their next door neighbor, you know. So as, as we're doing this, like I'm having them um, place hands on the walls and praying with me. There were a couple of times I had them say things, um, repeat after me. This is your home. You need to say this, yada, yada. Anyways, um, so when the night's over, we're talking and you can just see like there's peace on their faces. I don't know what God did in, the, in there, but I, I'm talking to them and I'm debriefing. Okay, when... And everything with everyone's experience lined up completely. I'm I'm debating sharing the next thing that I texted you about because kind of it's kind of a like <laughs> it's like the next level up. But um, as we were leaving, and this is one of the problems. Um, I've never shared this on the podcast before, but I I have had it where I've been in an exorcism and it was so heavy that I got an injury. No one hit me. No one did anything, but um, I got really wicked sciatica um, the day after an exorcism. And those of you that read Church Zero, you know that I served with a guy who, you know, was walked in the supernatural. And his name was Jeff, and he um, he had laid hands on me, and it, it it healed for about a week. And then the second time I saw him, because I had this thing for a year, so I found out I was getting MRIs, I was doing physical therapy, nothing was helping. He said to me, he said, the second time, uh, you know, once he came out, he prayed. Once I went out, it was during the filming of Jump School. And he prayed for me again, and I got two, two weeks peace. But he said, you know, this is demonic, Peyton. Were you in an exorcism? I said, I was in an exorcism, the worst exorcism of my life, and it was a failed one the day before. And, um, so anyways, I did get healed up, but it was supernaturally healed. I won't tell that story. It's really funny, but, um, uh, <laughs> it's another story for another day. Maybe if we do it to something on healing, um, we'll do that. But, um, anyways, so, so that I, I have had experience with being injured after an exorcism and needing it to be healed because after a year of, you know, physical therapy, treatment, um, MRIs and whatever else they were trying to give it, nothing, but in an instant was healed, never came back. That was years ago. Um, so, but when we got home that night, um, actually when we we're in, in the car pulling away, Andrew said, Oh, my hip. So Andrea doesn't have hip problems that night. She couldn't walk. Right. Like she's, and she's like, babe, my hip. So I said, well, let me pray for you. And um, I prayed for her. And she went to bed. And um, 
you know, and we, I prayed for him because we were exhausted. We were wiped out. I prayed for her. The next um, morning she woke up and she was in excruciating pain. And I said to her, this is demonic. Like this isn't right. And so um, she was standing up and I, I laid hands on her and I prayed and it was healed immediately. And um, like it had, it had been moving down to her ankle, all the way down her leg, up through her hip, everything. And um, it was when it spread because it spread the next morning to the whole of the leg. And I was like, all right, this is, this is demonic. And um, we prayed and she was like, babe, it's 100%. And dude, it was, it was, when my wife's saying something hurts, it really hurts. But it immediately went away. So, and I knew we were going to have some kind of fallout after this. I knew there would be some kind of spiritual attack. And, um, like I said, I've had a really rough week, but that's, you know, that, I mean, weeks can be rough with or without spiritual attack. That's not, but, you know, uh, kind of the main takeaway for me was, um, which I haven't gotten to, um, I started off saying the main thing for me was what came out of this, um, which was direction for my life at the Hmm. end, as we were pulling away, funny enough, as Andrew's getting all this pain we start talking about what the next steps for them are. Um, and, and while I was in the house, I shared with them something I learned from my mentor. Remember when we interviewed Dan Berg? Yeah. So Dan taught me years ago that if you put um, worship. Dan Berg was the guy who we said, I'm going to hell with Dan Berg. That was yeah. the title of the yeah. podcast. Yeah, he was, he was my mentor, um, my ministry mentor at a very young age. He was my youth pastor, but so much more than that. The guy that taught me how to pray, the guy that the first exorcism I was ever in was with Dan Berg. But Dan taught me years ago that to fight spiritual warfare, he goes, you always have either the teaching of the word of God or worship music playing in your house. If you're in an intense time of spiritual warfare, you keep the proclamation of Christ being preached at all times in your app. Like you just have Christ being proclaimed because Satan hates that. He will not stick around while that's happening. So I know this is crazy talk for all the Baptists out there. I apologize. You, you know, just skip this episode. Uh, you know, <laughs> you'll probably point, never. You're yeah, an hour you'll, in. <laughs> you'll never need this. You'll never encounter it until you do. Um, but, you know, here, here's the thing is um, what happened, though, was um, uh, where was I going? Oh, so, so uh, I had told the couple, I said, what you guys need to do now is you need to fill the vacuum in this house. You need to start putting on. And I told him through the word, I said, you know, I work for through the word, um, which uh, is a Bible app. And I didn't say like, Hey, listen to Leviticus. I said, Hey, you know, put some of those on. Cause I don't trust a lot of what's on Christian sure. radio nowadays. Cause a lot of it's crap. And a lot of these guys, I, I, I don't trust them as far as I can throw. Yeah. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. And a lot of them, it's legalism anyways, you know, you should you do better, try harder. And I'm like, they just need the gospel. And I know they'll get it on through the word. And so, um, you know, I, I, I point him to that. And, uh, and as we're going away, Andrea and I are talking about what's next. And Andrea, again, Andrea's prophetic. When we're on mission, Andrea's prophetic gift, which normally, it's the same with my gifts. They lay kind of dormant until you need them. Right. And that that's the whole point that I, I bring up in reaching the unreached is if you want to see this stuff that you read in the book of Acts, reaching the unreached, becoming raiders of the lost art is is a book about the 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 combined power of mission, um, uh, the, the combining of mission and power in the scripture. How those in and in my textbook and church plan, I really outline this. Like I I go full bore like demonstrating all these scriptures that show mission and power go together. But that was the premise of the whole book of reaching the unreached. But um but you know Andrew's prophetic gift kicks into high drive in these situations and she um she said babe we're gonna end up starting a Bible study in their house. And it was like the matrix dude. Everything was downloaded into my head. That if I do one, like all of a sudden I can see it. We're planting, not a church because I, I know it sounds weird, but I'm never out to plant a church. Right. Um, I was asked to plant a church in refuge Long Beach. So I did because Bill asked me, 
but really that's not how I operate. You know, I start things that have to do with non-believers coming to know Jesus and churches happen out of that. But here all of a sudden I could see it. They're bringing, it's not a church plant in my house with my people and the people I'm collecting, trying to get them to come to something. It's literally them coming to know Jesus. We're in their house with their family, with their friends, and we're just turning up and everything's happening around them being channeled through them and their contacts and their family and their friends. And I told Andrea, oh my gosh, that's the next thing I'm going to be doing is things like this. I will not be starting anything out of my house. I will not be starting a core team. I will not be starting a home study. I'm going to start doing this. And if I start a, a, a network of micro churches, it's going to be complete with non-believers, true to style, <laughs> true to what I've always done. It's going to start with unbelievers. And I might grab a few people here and there to come with us. But to me, it, 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 it was like everything just finally clicked for me that that's what, that's what I'll be doing. Mm. And, you know, if you, look, if you look at what Paul did, right, that is what Paul did. Whoever's house he was meeting in, there were no Christians. He was meeting in their homes. He was meeting in their public spaces with them. And the gospel was being contained. Jesus was Zacchaeus, right? What does he do? He goes to Zacchaeus's house for dinner. In fact, he tells him, I'm having dinner with you tonight, right? He invites himself over to dinner. And Matthew, naturally, because he's just found the grace of God, he invites all of his friends and his family to his own house to meet Jesus. And that is my new church planning strategy. That is what I will be doing now. I don't see myself ever running a church again. I don't see myself ever, but I could do this for the rest of my life and be pretty happy doing it and starting a bunch of these and perhaps bringing them together under central leadership. Sure. I could do that. But, um, but yeah, that's, so to me, it's, it's more the house church network that Dan Sam's runs. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much, you know, and most of the time these start with Christians and you invite people to them. Um, but to me, it's, again, this is something that, that, that just doesn't interest me. I know, I know that sounds weird to say, but I, I really have no interest in starting a, a believer's home study that I invite lost people to. But this, like flipping it around the other way, I could do this. I could do this all day. Mm. That makes sense. You know, it's weird. This is Facebook Live. Do we probably? <laughs> I probably should have said we probably shouldn't Facebook Live this one today because it's a little bit. It's a little bit kooky for people. I get that. I get that this one's going to be a little bit uh, further out on a limb for some of you, and uh, I can't apologize for it. It's just my experience, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> definitely not my experience. So put that in your podcast. I don't I don't know what I would do if I was ever in that situation. I'd freak out. No, you know, you wouldn't. And, you know, you get thrown in the deep end. And when the power of God's there, he's there. He's merciful. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's the really whole thing, is. right? Because it's not you. It's God. Yeah, it really is not you. Thank God yeah. it is not you. Um, but there, there, I have encountered ones where like when the disciples go, Lord, we couldn't cast it out. And he goes, this kind of comes out by prayer and fasting. I have had one of those. And, uh, I think I encountered one of those, my first one, but I think, I think God was very merciful and just did it because we were a bunch of kids. So, mm. you know, we're a bunch of high scores. Well, Hey, that said, we're at the end. We're out of time, man. So, uh, this one went a little bit longer. I apologize for that. But, uh, Pete, while you're doing all these, uh, yes, starting home studies with non-believers, yes, it's going to be worth it. <laughs> it's going to be messy. It's going to be worth it. But, uh, Pete, while you're doing all these, uh, starting, starting, uh, little missional cogs with non-believers, uh, you know, how do you deal with your, uh, centralized funding model and your tax compliancy and your donors and tax donor receipts. You know, uh, I, use, needs. I use uh, simplifychurch.com. And in fact, when I need an exorcism, I call up simplifychurch.com and uh, they call Peyton. 
You know, when you call them, they'll bring the big suitcases. They'll pull all the Ghostbusting equipment. They'll have out. all the Ghostbuster equipment popping right out. Have you seen the trailer for the new Ghostbuster movie? No, I have not. Oh, dude, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Oh, all right. I should go watch that post haste. Yes. And uh, next week on Smack Talk, we need to talk about Raised by Wolves. So you know what you got to do this week. I, what do I do? I got to like harass HBO Max and go, you where's my Raised by Max Wolves? HBO Max app is busted. It's not showing them new shows. So I don't know, man. Maybe they need an updated credit card or something. I don't know. But Who hey, knows? this Who has been. Yeah, but we got to talk for multiple reasons about that show. And I want to give a special shout out to A. David and say thank you. Who posted Raised by Wolves? If you know, then you know. And that was all I needed to know to get me started watching that. That that was cryptic enough to get me tuned into that. So I, I, I owe A. David. I've been meaning to reach out and, and thank him and say, dude, because uh, when you watch it, Pete, I can't say anything until you watch it. And then we can talk. So. All right. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today for the Church Punter Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.